You're listening to The Connected Calm Life. My name is Lane Kennedy, and I'm thrilled you're here with me today. Thank you for being here. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to share this podcast with five friends. Five, one, two, three, four, five. I also want to share that there is a new daily episode at The Connected Calm Moment. These are little micro, it's a micro podcast. You can find that on any podcast player. I hope that you enjoy that and let me know what you think in the members area at The Connected Calm Life. We're having an event, bomb, 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 and I hope you're going to be there. It's on the 19th. Find out more at The Connected Calm Life. Sign up for the call. I can't wait to see you there. And if you don't know about the Ocean of Yum, please get your booty in the next session. All right, let's get into today's episode. And thank you again for listening and being my friend. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. Go. I'm Tom Gentry, and this is The Connected Calm Life. Yes! Welcome back. Hi, Tom. Hi, Lane. So good to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me. This is a long time coming, friend. It is. Very much so. What I love about COVID life is meeting really incredible people that I would not have met. Right? Like, I would have never met you. Probably not. I I don't, I mean, maybe I would have It's conceivable, but not probable. Correct. I could have gone to Florida and been on the street and saw you and (laughs) gone to... Right, right. I do have family in Florida, uh, but not likely. Mm -hmm. So it's been really great. One of the uh, benefits of COVID life is having social apps and using social media to find my people. You're one of my people. I am. And you're one of mine. Yeah. It's funny how it, and if for me, my experience with it has been that it has enabled me to hone in on the people who are really my people Mm -hmm. to where if I was limited to just the social group around me in proximity, it might, it might've been a lot harder to find my people. Define your people. My people come from a place of love first. Mm -hmm. My people um, are spiritually grounded. Mm -hmm. And um, my people are interesting. Yes. And they have backbone. They have backbone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. I like that a lot. Backbone. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, I think my people are very similar, grounded in love, spiritually centered, spiritually fit, mm-hmm. willing to do the work, right? right? Willing to show up when it's really hard. You and I have had some hard times on mm-hmm. our path over the past year, year and a half, whatever it's been. Um, being able to uh, have challenging conversations. I really like to have challenging conversations. <laughs> Um, you you like to have challenging conversations or, or or you like to have relationships that are worth investing challenging conversations both okay both i like having challenging conversations because they stimulate my brain mm. i like having uh relationships that are capable of holding that space mm-hmm. 
right? And you don't really find that a lot of times because a lot of people will just run away. They're just like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm done. It it hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings. And I don't know how to handle this. They might even retaliate somehow. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know you uh, through the sobriety clubhouse. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking when we first met there, you were how long are you how long are you in recovery? 25 years, Lane. 25 years. Yeah. And I think that's why it, it you resonated so deeply with me because when you're walking that path with someone else, they can say or do something uh, that resonates. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that you had the capacity to have these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I may have been groomed for it my entire life in one way or another. Right. You have like eight, eight siblings. I'm the youngest of eight siblings. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. You've uh, been groomed for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot going on when you grow up in a home like that. That is a lot. And yeah. The alcoholism, you know, I mean, <sighs> just that's a lot. It is a lot. When you, when did you realize that you had a problem with substance or that you were an addict, suffered from alcoholism? Well, I was worried about turning 21. Uh, uh-huh. I, I knew having unfettered access to alcohol, unlimited access to alcohol was, could be problematic. See, you thought about that? See, I didn't even think oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. That is not even on my radar. <laughs> well, like... you know, I was, you know, crashing my bike on my paper route and getting kicked out of the YMCA at 13 years old because I smelled like whiskey. You oh know, my God, I mean, that's so... so good. Yeah. That is so good. Yeah. So you started drinking young. Yeah. I, I really don't even know how young I was when I had my first drink. Mm-hmm. Pretty young. Pretty young. I know. I think about now, I was 12 when I had my first uh, Bacardi and splash of Pepsi. Ugh! And my son is 12. Mm-hmm. And I think, holy bejesus. Yeah. I've had that same experience. I have a son who will be 16 in April. Yeah. So I was already like right in trouble by the time I was 13, yeah. you know, for sure. It's really... It's, it's so great to be able to reflect as a sober parent, to know that uh, the values that I've grown up with in recovery are now being used in my relationships and in you know teaching my son. Mm-hmm. And one of these values is around worth mm-hmm. and being able to validate self in a positive mm-hmm. manner <laughs> because we're, we're all walking around with so much ego. Mm. Right. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think we have a lot of ego or not enough? Or do you think the ego is like waiting uh, for the perfect time to announce itself? What do you think? Um, hmm. My thoughts on the ego. 
Well, I, I look at it like, um, the ego is one of two opposite forces that, that I can be aligned with. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in ego, it's selfish. It's not loving. It's not the greatest good. Mm-hmm. And for me, like kind of where I'm at in my spiritual development at this point is um, I've studied A Course in Miracles mm-hmm. that makes the distinction between the ego and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when the Holy Spirit, meaning, you know, just coming from a place of love. Yeah. You know, and Let's... and that the ego kind of wants to destroy us. It wants us to be in fear. Mm-hmm wants us to be uh, in conflict where, you know, that's, that's not really the optimal way to live now. <laughs> well, right. I mean, and I think this is where this idea of worth comes in, right? You know, this, uh, when we're stuck or when we're betrayed by the ego, we are living in fear. Mm-hmm. We're living in judgment we're living in a lot of pain, but oftentimes what I find for myself is that I don't even recognize it mm-hmm. because it, it's hard to see through that veil sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I have to get into my practice to be able to puncture that veil. And sometimes I don't want to. Does that make sense to you? Does that, does that, <laughs> are you able yeah. to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I mean, you talk, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. When you mention that, what I think about is, uh, you know, I have this expression, oh yeah, God, you know, yeah. there's God, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is the human condition for me that, that whatever I'm doing in life, I always forget that God has to be at the center of it. And I'm always coming back to that. Mm-hmm. And the answer is always there somewhere, somewhere, you know? Somewhere, but it's definitely not Tom wandering off away from God up in his own head. Mm-hmm. It's not that. Have you always used the God word? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. grew up in a Catholic home mm-hmm. and never really bought all the dogma. Mm-hmm. And part of my early recovery, a milestone for me, was having someone say, you know, it's okay to believe what you believe. In fact, it's good that that that's enough. Mm-hmm. And that was validating and helped me let go of the shame because I thought, because I didn't believe all this stuff that there was something wrong with me, you know, cause that's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, some of the things we deal with in early recovery Like, how am I going to identify myself at a meeting Mm. or what am I going to call God? Mm -hmm. And I call God, God, because it seems like the most convenient thing to call it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I like to think of it as, um, well, I believe God is love. Love, love is God. God is love. Mm -hmm. I believe God is in us that he is part of us and we are part of him and that we're all really connected to each other, even though, and, and that's, that's what's really sad about modern life. There's so much division 
and and which uh which back to the course in miracles refers to it as the illusion of separation mm-hmm. we're not really separate no we're not separate from god and we're not separate from each other how did you find the course of miracles <sighs> well, i mean what was yeah what was that kind of path because i know mm, 20 years ago maybe 22 years ago there was a lot of well, it was, there was a lot of it around when I first got sober. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I knew that it existed. I knew that there were groups that took yeah. place around here. And then as, uh, as time went on and I've worked in the addiction treatment field pretty much the entire time mm-hmm. I've been sober. And I started to make a connection that the people who I really respected, mm-hmm. at, at eventually I would learn that at one time or another, they studied the Course in Miracles. Right. So I had it in the back of my mind for probably 20 years that I wanted to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. But if you see the book, I mean, it's an enormous book and it's, yeah. you know, it's, 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 I don't think it's really meant to be just read individually. Um, it's like so a textbook. anyway. I mean, it's right. a textbook. It's a. It's like a. It is a course. It's a course. Yeah, there yeah. are lessons. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what happened is eventually, you know, I went through a divorce and then a very painful next relationship after the divorce, mm-hmm. and found myself working on codependency and adult child issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, found myself in ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholic and Dysfunctional Families, mm-hmm. where I felt like, wow, man, I really belong here. But I started to get connected to people there. And then one time, this guy who he and I were talking, well, hey, what are you doing tonight? You know, and, and he ended up inviting me to a group of the course. And I went. And I just felt like I was enveloped in love. They, Mm -hmm. they knew it. I told them it was my first time and they just honored me, explained everything to me, seemed really, really happy for me. It just felt great. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt really, really good. And some of them were people I already knew. Did it fill you up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It filled me up. It's like spiritual food. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to go back to the statement, it's okay to believe in what you believe. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times there, you know, we, we come into recovery and we're, uh, we're trying to find what we believe. We're trying mm-hmm. to shape our faith or shape these ideas. And how did you come to believe or, start to shape this idea was the course of miracles did that have anything to do with it or you, i i guess no, that was much later. i was going to say that was going to say you didn't find that for 20 years i guess that's what you just right. said right pretty much so it's only been in the last 5 years then that you've gone deep within your mm, mm, spiritual path in that way yeah in that way yeah. so the so the first 20 years then your faith was around what well uh a personal connection with god yeah you know and 
I think what what is uh, really different about uh, my spiritual state prior to sobriety, it, it was that um, I might have had some faith, but I didn't have trust. Mm-hmm. And then in sobriety, I learned that, no, you got to exercise trust. Mm-hmm. We trust God. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's not just something that shows up and, and, oh, yeah, I trust God. No, we have to do it. Like, it's a decision. And, and really, one of the things I loved about the 12 steps immediately when I entered recovery was, you know, there are these spiritual principles underlying each of them. And I may not be able to work all the steps all at once, but I can practice the principles right away. And I really was able to see the connection between living a spiritual life, living a principled life, practicing spiritual principles Mm -hmm. and faith, God, you know, it it all made sense to me Mm -hmm. and it was all consistent with what I actually believed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I was taught the principles early on, maybe my third year, second Mm -hmm. year in, and I, I thought, Oh, this is brilliant. Like there was a different meaning. There was a different, like a different light bulb went off in my head because sometimes I couldn't relate to mm-hmm. the 12 steps. Yeah. And I think that kind of, you know, hearing you talk about that, that put my spiritual path, like swerved it off. And mm-hmm. I went down the Buddhist path, right? I was, went mm-hmm. down that path and really went on a quest. And at five years, I moved to another country and practiced. And it, because of the principles and the principles are universal and they've been around for eons. And so when I live today, right, I'm using those spiritual principles in my life. Like I practice having um, faith. I practice having value. I practice having uh, worth every day because if I'm not, then I'm, I'm not feeling very good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like you know and then i have then i get myself into sticky situations and it life becomes challenging Mm -hmm. over the years uh you i mean your kiddo he's you had him in Mm -hmm. sobriety which is really cool yeah uh what has been one of these turning moments where you've had to really lean into your faith? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, I, I was really off track from a vocational standpoint as a kid. What does that mean? That means I had a, I, there were things I wanted to do Mm. and I had the people in my life who were there to nurture me, tell me now you shouldn't do that. Like that's Uh, the, you should be, you know, people always need a plumber, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) you know, what are you going to do? Flip hamburgers so you can write. Like I had, Mm. I had people saying that kind of stuff to me 
So did and, you have a vision? Did you have a vision? Like I want to write, did you have an early vision? Like this is what I want to do. My self-esteem distorted it. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. I was, my self-esteem was so low, but what happened is I decided to take a year off after high school mm-hmm. and I was going to work full time and I got a construction job and 19 <laughs> came around and it was winter and I wasn't in school anymore. And I was working on this job site and the mm. foreman was a jerk and he was <laughs> screaming at me. And it was like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did I do to my life? Why am I here? And I felt stuck. Yeah. And that was when I first consciously chose to drink, to change the way I felt, to blot it out. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And I thought I was stuck. I really felt stuck. I was stuck in fear. Yeah. And so anyway, um, getting sober was reckoning with that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And by the time I got sober, I had already been a published writer. I'd written for my local newspaper and, you know, I I can write. I could always write. And mm-hmm. Then, um, but, I, but it was like a part-time thing. I was working full-time as a carpenter and going to yeah. school. I was all over the place. And what I was doing is filling up all my time. So yep. I wouldn't have time to drink. And then I was rushing through it all. So I would have time to drink. Mm-hmm. It was a mess. And then it all came crashing down. And then it was, okay, what am I going to do with my life? And um, what I did at that point uh, in brief was invest in my recovery, make enough money to put gas in my truck and food on the table and get me to meetings and go to as many as I possibly could. And that's what I did. And then it it just kind of made sense at a year, year and a half, people had been telling me, you know, you'd be good at this kind of work. And and the place I went was a Hazelden facility, mm. which was a great place to work. And, uh, and I got a job there and they trained me as a counselor and all of it was included free, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. why not take advantage of it? And then, but, but I also kind of knew I didn't really want to be a counselor. I had all this interest in media and I, you know, I didn't want my life to be defined by recovery. And so I left, when I left that job, I, I got the job, um, working for a publisher. And at one point was the assistant to the publisher himself. And, uh, then that didn't work out. And I kind of floundered around and I realized all the really great opportunities I was getting Mm -hmm. were in addiction treatment. Uh and like cool opportunities and then it hit me like okay i hear you yeah i was gonna say i bet it was really easy too right like these opportunities just kind of slid into your lap yeah 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 Yeah. a career defining opportunity right Right. you know but i i i decided okay i'm gonna do this this is what you want for me Mm Ultimately, my recovery, my life is about being of service 
How, how long were you sober when you, when that like, okay, I'm surrendered. I'm just going to do what you want. Maybe seven or eight years. Yeah. It took a while. So there's something that I want to get into a little bit, this idea of being stuck. Cause I think there's a lot of people that feel stuck at, Mm -hmm. at every, um, you could be one year sober. You could be 20 years sober. You could be 30 years. sober. you could be 15, you know, like this idea of really getting stuck or complacent in recovery that happens as well. And I liked that you had this, um, that you invested in your recovery, that you, you took that moment and, and, realized, oh, (laughs) like, I guess this is what I'm going to be doing. Like you paused. Mm -hmm. It it sounded like you took a hard pause instead of kind of moving through things and doing whatever. Well, I saw other people failing too. Yeah. I saw what they were doing and I learned by their negative examples. (laughs) Right. Okay. And what I saw is, okay, the guys who focus on the job Mm-hmm. or fitness or the girlfriend or oh. all three or whatever. Yep. yep. They don't stick around. And this idea that you didn't want your life to be about recovery. So I didn't want my life to be about recovery either. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going down that path. And right. you know, like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, but ultimately when we're of service, ultimately uh, there is this power that's working and here I am in a podcast talking about recovery. There you are working in addiction, addiction, and, and, right? Like you, yeah. you're, you're in it. Uh, yeah. And it's really fulfilling. I find it very fulfilling at a whole new, like uh, talk about filling up my cup and giving me a sense of value or, or sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy. Like it's literally so easy. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess I look at it. I just look at it a little differently than I used to. Mm. People are lost. Oh, so I was right. lost. Yeah, I was lost. Yep. That's what it was. It wasn't yep. about the alcohol. Yep. I was lost. And uh, and you know, I think you know, if you want to go with the Ram Das thing, you know, we're all finding our way home, and we're yeah. leading people home. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And for me, like the podcast that I have, it's about recovery sometimes, but it's really about finding your way home. And how did you find your way in life to become Mm -hmm. who you are? Mm -hmm. And for me, recovery has definitely been about me becoming more me, becoming who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's the journey of recovery. It's, and we don't know it. Right. Until we've got some time. I mean, you know, we're 25 into this little game here. And right. like, it's like, oh, this this is it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I have a really good friend. Uh, she's 35, 34. And, it, you know, it's a different conversation. But what I'll say is that there is this sense of like the ownership of my life and recovery in it. Mm-hmm. There's a really great like there's freedom mm-hmm. in knowing that recovery is now a part, is is threaded through me mm-hmm. and it is the resource that allows me to do all the other great things in life right and i'll forget that i will literally forget 
So I, that's again, why I go back to the ocean of yum and I keep my practice and I do all the things that I do because I'm, I'm going to forget. Do you forget? Well, it's the, it's the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when I hear people share in rooms of recovery, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, if, when they talk about the recovery as if it's separate from everything mm-hmm. else, right. no, Mm-mm. it's not. No, it's not. It's all the same thing. Yeah. It's all, it's not separate. So a, a recovery is about life. That's yes, what it's about. That's what everything. it's about. When you got into the Course of Miracles, did that shift your recovery? You know what it did is it helped me in my close personal relationships a lot. Yeah. yeah. It helped me see how I was bringing my stuff mm-hmm. um, into specifically romantic relationships. And I was viewing people through a cloudy lens. Yeah. That it was clouded with my stuff. Mm. And what I love is that here we are with this amount of time and we're still on the search, mm-hmm. right? We still, well, that, that was a dot I connected pretty early on. The people who stick around, keep growing. Yeah. This, this doesn't end. No, it does not end. I find it really interesting when people are not involved in their recovery and I, I listen to them with great intent. Like I'm, I'm like, Ooh, what's happening there. And sometimes, you know, they, they sound totally fine and sometimes they don't. And I, I just like, it's, it's so everybody is so individual and unique. And I think that's one of the things I love about recovery is that there's not a one way. This is how it's mm-hmm. done. Uh, and I know people who, you know, find religion, I'm just going to call it out. And then they never drink again. You know, I'm, I'm always like, well, that's, whoa. Okay. I know people who it was yoga. Yes. That eventually that's what made the difference for them after relapse, after relapse, after relapse. Yeah. It's, it's such a gift to be able to be on that quest. It's like a vision quest, you know, like something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And to just follow faith, I guess it's like mm-hmm. having faith in something that you're going to get through it. Uh, I want to go back to your relationship with your kiddo because that excites me when I think, you know, having a sober dad, sober relationship with your kid, just like I'm doing sober mom, sober relationship with my kid. And how do you talk to them about faith? Is it an open conversation? Because with, with, with my son, you know, I'll say, Hey, what, what, what do you think? What you, you, you like G-O-D? And he's like, mom, we're not talking about that. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) How do you put it out there? Um, well, I, it was always important to me not to necessarily impose my specific beliefs mm-hmm. onto my son, aside from there is a God and he's there for you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'll remind him to pray sometimes. Mm-hmm. And generally it's like, I, I, I did. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just, he knows there's a God. Yeah. I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm trying to think, you know, he's, he's been around this his whole life. You mm-hmm. know, his mom's mm-hmm. a therapist. We both worked at a treatment center together. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. he's grown up around it. He's been with me to pick up medallions and yeah. has known me as a sober man, only as a sober man. And he knows that um, one of the really cool things that, that would happen is, you know, I've always carried a medallion mm-hmm. and usually I pick it up and I kiss it before I put it in my pocket in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he was really little, he'd say, let me see it. And then he'd kiss it too and hand it to me, oh, you know? So sweet. So, you know, I mean, he's, he's watched me lead a spiritual life. Yeah. You know, that's, that's probably the best thing I could do for him is yeah. just be me and follow my path mm-hmm. and demonstrate that for him mm-hmm. because awful lot of people talk about it and don't live it. Mm-hmm. And kids see through that stuff. So true. They are watching everything. Yeah, he picks up everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started to talk to him about straight edge. I think maybe like right before the pandemic hit. And he kind of got into that a little bit, which I was excited about. Uh, But I leave it wide open for him to discover Mm -hmm. himself, wherever he's going to go, whatever he's going to do. He does know that he feels different when he's in a room with me with others that are practicing mm. uh i have taken him into rooms where i teach and he'll just be like whoa mom <laughs> like, well you can feel it yeah you can feel it you can feel it and that i think is really magical to have uh sober parents you know share that with kiddos mm-hmm. i just yeah i love that uh can you believe our time is like, we're here. We're winding down. So we're, we're winding doing? down. I can't believe it. Like I just looked at the clock. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> what else, Tom? What else? I don't know, Lane. What do you want to know? I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we can just put a bow on it right there. Well, how about this? Why why me? Why did you ask me to be on the show? So I love the purpose of the show is to have conversations with people who have long-term recovery. Okay. And to really get into a topic, because it's topic driven, and to show that recovery is so uh there's so many people, different ways, different styles, and to show the others that it's worth it, mm-hmm. you know, that you can stay the long haul and grow and try out different things, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I know that you've done a lot of different things in your recovery and you've gone through relationships in your recovery. And I knew that you would bring that to the show today because you, you're an authentic 
human. Thank you. You're one well, of my people. So the topic was value? Uh, worth, value, and faith. Worth, value, and faith. And I think we we covered it. I mean, that's... Yeah. Well, I know for me, being in my uh, act of alcoholism, I um, devalued myself. Correct. I, I uh, undervalued myself. Yeah. And I've also done that in recovery. Mm. And that, to me, that's part of the path is, you know, the more we become who we are, the more we see our inherent value. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like one guy who sponsored me, I heard him share in a meeting one time, you know, I get paid to be me. What's better than that? You know, Mm. I get paid to be me and, and I get paid to be me. And the more true I am to myself, the more effective I am, the more satisfying I am, the more value I bring. Yep. So I literally just had this conversation this morning with somebody. I love that you just brought that up. I cannot, it's so funny. See, and yeah. that is how the God works in my life, mm-hmm. right? It just reiterates something, uh, tickles me. It makes me feel so, it just makes me laugh. Yeah. And laughter, like I didn't have laughter in my life before. So yeah. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Uh, so delicious delicious yeah thanks for being on the show my friend thanks for having me thanks for inviting me we got to get you on my show we've tried we've had a couple near misses yeah we'll be i'll be there soon we'll get it all right tom thanks so much everyone have a beautiful moment thank you for hanging out with us may you find something bright something light and something so delicious it fills you up so you can be the best i know you can be until next time take good care. Thanks so much for hanging out with Tom and I today and being a part of this conversation. And remember, you know, I bring you these conversations to stimulate your mind, to question, to tickle you, and then to have a larger conversation over in the community, to carry on the conversation over there about these topics. So join the community over at members.connectedcalmlife. I'll see you there.